and she writes an expose about how crazy the farm is, but Kevin and Evelyn- Kevin and Evelyn? Kevlin? No. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and filmmaker. I like brooding anti-heroes with feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hundred Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. If I could burn down one building in Riverdale, I would burn down Hiram's prison, and then I would laugh at him about it. <laughs> yeah, great choice. Thanks. Hi, my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 26-year-old writer and marketing coordinator in sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at SamKCC, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Uh, If I could burn down one building in Riverdale, it would be the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, because it has never been used for anything good. (laughs) <laughs> literally anything um if you guys are wondering where Brittany is she is very busy back home in edmonton uh taking care of her grandfather so sam is helping us out today thank you sam no problem honorary aficionado <laughs> i am honored to be an honorary aficionado i love that for you <laughs> today we have words to say about episode 314 of riverdale fire walk with me so, Firewalk With Me was a Twin Peaks movie. Um, it was a 1992 psychological horror film, which was a prequel to Twin Peaks. Um, and it's about the murder of this one girl, and then also the last week of the like main girl who dies in Twin Peaks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you watched Twin Peaks. Did you watch this or no? Um, I haven't watched the movie because I've only seen the first season of Twin Peaks. Um, gotcha. I, at one point, like a year or so ago, I tried to watch all of Twin Peaks, but I kept falling asleep. Um, I know that's gonna get me like, that's fair, eaten alive by some diehard stand somewhere, but I rewatched it this past year and I enjoyed the first season. I just never finish anything. So I haven't finished the second season yet. That's fair. So before we start the podcast, really, uh, the first thing we kind of have to address is that we, and I think I can speak for literally every single person who watches the show offer like the biggest condolences to the family friends cast crew of luke perry because unfortunately he did pass away this past week Mm -hmm. but and i know luke perry probably didn't listen to this podcast but i don't think he would (laughs) want us to spend the whole podcast being sad about it Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of like mostly what we're gonna say about it i think we'll talk a little bit about the future of fred once he comes in but um other than that yeah i'm just like very sorry and sad yeah it was shocking and and devastating on in a lot of ways and i just uh send all the love out to everyone who knew him personally yeah i'm yeah it was super super shocking shocking is a really great word for it because we you know Brittany and i we like sat here last week being like anyway you know obviously it's very horrible that he had a stroke but he'll be fine you know like we really it, it yeah it was completely unexpected so um yeah i think yeah, I'm just, I just feel sad. Yeah. So anyway, moving on, we don't have to stay sad the whole podcast. <laughs> We're going to do some thoughts from listeners because um, last week I kind of got mad at some people, not mad, but um, <laughs> I was saying like, hey, if y'all are out here talking to us as if we're right there beside you while you're listening to the podcast, you got to tell us what you're saying 
because then we can all have a big, nice conversation. And so a few people had done that. So I appreciate that. Um, so of course, our friend King's Token got back to us and said, um, the way the show handles Archie is weird. They can write him well when they put in the effort, like the Bizarro Dale episode. But I agree with you that most of the time they don't know what to do with him, which is pretty bad considering he's the main protagonist. I completely agree. 100%. Like, there are fully episodes where I enjoy Archie, and then most of the time I'm like, what is Archie doing? And why? Yeah. <laughs> I. What's interesting is, and I'll, and I'll talk about this later, but I found myself being worried for Archie this episode. Oh, me too. Fully. I was like, is he going to be okay? <laughs> I enjoyed Archie this week. Um, And then our, yeah, our friend Joanna also got back to us. Um, And there was this photo that was kind of going around about um, Skeet watching the monitor and it being Hart who played Chick on, on the monitor and everything. Oh, I have not seen that. And some people were thinking that that was new, um, but we did some research and we think that that was old. Oh, okay, cool. We're, we're like pretty sure that we figured out which scene that was from even from last season. So we're pretty sure that's old. Don't quote us on it. I hope he's back, but I have a feeling that he's not. Do you know which scene? Yeah, I'm. we're pretty sure it was the scene where they were, like, torturing him in the basement and Jughead was, like, trying to punch him in the face and stuff. That makes the most sense, because that was really the... Well, it wasn't the only time that, and that he and FB interacted, but it was, like, the main one I, that I remember. Right, and, and also he was, like, also there. Yeah. So anyway, she had uh, mentioned that. And she said, him and Gina have been posting photos at the Cooper house. Now I'm really curious if what you said is true is Gladys is buying the house and not the Jones. So Gladys buying the house fully made sense because she also has been an anonymous buyer. Like she has been one of the anonymous buyers. Right. But now that the Cooper house has been set on fire, I don't know how to feel about that. Well, I feel like it's definitely going to be damaged, obviously. Yeah. But like you said, they were posting like selfies and stuff at the front door, like just the other day so I yeah. have questions uh about that it would be really awkward if Gladys bought Alice's house totally like super duper awkward for a number of reasons yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's gonna be really funny if everything Gladys shows up to buy keeps getting set on fire <laughs> yeah literally I was like I'm noticing a trend here yeah. Um, some other things that Joanna brought up. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Serpent King and Queen thing because I feel that the show is afraid to make that pair platonic and that's the only reason Betty is the Serpent Queen. Even the way people talk about Jughead asking her being like a proposal instead of a business arrangement. Tony and Jughead would make sense as royalty if the title has to go to the teens for some reason. Not just because of their legacy but because they work well together. And I had worried about both of them being more passive but Tony stepped up last episode and we know Jughead can do that when needed too. And then they would complement each other. Tony has not only been in the serpents longer she seems to have grown up more involved while Jughead seems to have been kept in the dark by FP and himself it's even possible Brian was a serpent and Jughead just doesn't know him so there are just things and people she knows best and she has better social skills it would be the best option for the gang like you guys pointed out Betty has done nothing as queen or really as a serpent and I had been curious about how her being in the gang would connect with Alice and being something in common with her mom but we've seen nothing of that finally still on the serpents when you had done the first episode of season three you had mentioned Archie's tattoo was probably Temporary. Is it supposed to last that long or is it a permanent ser serpent tattoo on Archie? And then she said, great pod, continue the amazing work. Thanks. I love all of these uh, excellent thoughts slash hot tea. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's very clear now that Archie's tattoo is permanent, which I think is stupid. I think it's hilarious. But, um... Yeah, well, he thought he was... That's life, I guess. He was, When he was going to jail, it was supposed to be for two years and it was, what, like two months? Yeah. 
Maybe. But yeah, I fully agree with all of these points about Tony being a better serpent queen. I think that's super, super She's, clear. She would be a much better serpent queen. She would be a better leader in general than Jughead. Um, yeah, fully agree. Betty, like you're right, Betty has done nothing. That's why it's also kind of upset seeing Cheryl keep taking over that sort of thing. Is it's like I have so many thoughts on that. Okay, but Tony's a <laughs> Tony's being a great leader though. Like she doesn't need you. Yeah, I definitely have thoughts on that as well. Um, so thank you to anybody who has sent us their thoughts this episode. If you guys also have thoughts, you can tweet us um, in a thread just like Joanna did, and you can also send us an email at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear anybody else's theories too, because um because yeah, it's just good to get more input for sure. Yeah, for sure. Sam, toot or boot? Uh, I'm gonna say newt because I didn't. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Hate anything? Like I, I had problems with a few things, but I didn't like hate the episode as much as I disliked the previous one. But agree, it didn't stand out to me either. So newt. Yeah, I booted last episode not because there was anything bad about it but that there was nothing really good about it and I agree that this episode is also an example of episodes that happen when you have a 22 episode season you know you just have to have episodes where it's like well here's some stuff that happens like other than Betty setting fire to the Cooper house what really like, happened that was lasting like this was an expositional episode in that it sort of yeah set up things to get back on track for how I want them to be because at the beginning of the season I was very interested mm-hmm. in how they were setting everything up because they had the game was like super heavily fo- like in the focus of the storyline and yeah it was like driving the plot really and that sort of fell away for the last like handful of episodes at least uh at least since they came back from Mm -hmm. hiatus from the winter and agree all of the episodes back from the hiatus have been kind of super dull except for bizarro dale and this sort of like yeah brought the game back in and sort of like looks like they're bringing it back in to be the main thing at least next week i think especially with archie's story right but yeah and and next episode is, is supposed to be like the big 50th episode, right? It's the 50th episode of Riverdale, which I think is ridiculous because that means we've done 50 episodes of this <laughs> right. freaking podcast. But yeah, like it, it's supposed to be big, yeah. so I so hope I, it I, is. It was just sort of an, a setup episode to me. And like all the things that happened were mm. just kind of putting things in place for what I hope will be a really good episode. I agree, and all of that being said, I would like to toot it, but only just off the cusp of Newt. Valid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. And I think that potentially for our 50th episode, I mean, technically we've done, like, trailer episodes, and we've done, like, mid-seasons and stuff, but for the 50th episode of Riverdale, um, we might have a bit of a cool announcement. So, like, make sure you stay tuned next week. Keep your ears open, guys. I don't even know what she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the way that I kind of split this up was I did just like the core four. Great. Um, So would you like, like, who who, who would you like to start with? Who should we get it over with first? (laughs) Should we get it over with? Um, I think maybe we should end with Betty or Jughead. Yeah, let's do, let's do Veronica, Archie, Bughead. Okay, sounds good. All right, so this is, uh, once again, we have changed up our format. If you guys didn't check out last week's episode, first of all, do that. (laughs) Um, And second of all, yeah, we changed our format a little bit. Let us know if uh, it still vibes with you, because I'm enjoying it. Okay, so I'm going to do my summary of Veronica's storyline. All right, here we go. 
Gladys and Hiram are both being bad patrons of Veronica's speakeasy, but she can't do anything because she owes them both so much money. She decides that to make more money, she'll make every night casino night because who cares about the law? After the whole fight thing that happens later in Jughead's storyline, and we'll talk about that later, um, <laughs> Tony is upset with Cheryl for being so reckless. She doesn't want to have to suspend her. Cheryl is basically bribing Tony with the use of her house. Veronica unveils her new casino with added precautions should there be a raid. Hiram is pleased because he's going to use it as a ploy to get more business. Gladys wants to sing in the speakeasy. Veronica gets 5% taken off her debt to both Hiram and Gladys, because they're both sucky. Hiram's guest is a huge jerk, and Gladys yells at him, so Veronica hires the pretty poisons to be her security. Neither of them are allowed in anymore. Great! And that was Veronica's storyline. So I have a few points just for the whole storyline. Do you have anything in general that you want to talk about? Um, I want to talk about how I'm super frustrated with what they're doing with Cheryl and Tony. Uh, and then I have Agreed. questions about Veronica, but I'm also proud of her. Yeah. Um. So last episode, I had mentioned that Brittany and I had talked about how we don't really like what they're fighting about. Right. You know, Cheryl and Tony, it's, it's not nice that they're fighting, but I had mentioned that I really do like that they are mm -hmm. fighting, at least a little bit, uh, because I, I get worried sometimes in, with shows like this in which they'll be like, look at a happy gay relationship. Now the gays will sit over there and be happy while everybody else does fun stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm happy that they're being central characters and they're having more nuance, but... um. They're fighting about gross stuff that makes me feel gross. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love that they have conflict and that they're relevant to the storyline so much recently. But the, the content that they have is bad. Like, this fight is bad. Yeah. The it's bad. The way that they're manipulating each other and the way that they're treating each other is not cute. It's not cute. It's just, yeah, it's weird because, because Cheryl, last one, time... Tony was like, is this my gang or is this your gang? And I was totally on Tony's side for that. And Cheryl, even though she seems like she doesn't actually want to say it, says, it's your gang. Yeah. Because she gave it to her as a present to make up for her other gang. It is Tony's gang. And that has been, you know, made very clear. And so the fact that Cheryl isn't about that now, it's like, I mean, I got to be on Tony's side for all this stuff. I'm fully on Tony's side for all of it. And it's making me yeah. really frustrated because I super enjoy Cheryl as a character in general. And I think mm -hmm. that before season three, she and Alice had some of the best character arcs from kind of like flat, crazy character to like dynamic nuanced right. character mm -hmm. and now season three has got them both like alice is obviously insane uh which is unfortunate because she's supposed to be my favorite um and yeah. cheryl is being really manipulative and shallow and like i love that cheryl has always been one to cause chaos like i love that that's in her veins or whatever but she shouldn't be acting like this in the healthiest relationship that she has because it's really poisoning it and it's just not good and i don't like it just two episodes ago she literally i'm pretty yeah. sure it was two but she literally said to tony like you are the most important person in my life. If I, you know, I don't think she said this exactly, but like, if I lose you, I have nothing, yeah. you know, that's like basically how she feels. And now it's like, yeah, it's just like, I f just feel gross about it. Exactly. And like literally the episode before this or two episodes before this, like you're the one you're talking about, literally in that episode, she gave her this group as a way to make up for all of the like negativity that she had caused previously 
with getting them kicked out of the serpents and not understanding like the com- complexities of other people being in the closet and things like that. And it's just mm-hmm. where did the I'm really frustrated when Riverdale just like completely disregards their own writing from literally just a few episodes mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll talk a little bit about Tony and Cheryl again, but let's start with some of the stuff that happens with yep. Veronica here. Um, one of the things that I mentioned was that she keeps saying it's a secret <laughs> speakeasy, and it, it it absolutely is not secret. It's like, we spend more time in this non-secret speakeasy than we do with, uh, in Pops now, so. Yeah, fully. Like, fully. is it a secret from, who, it's who weird. is it a secret from? Everyone has been in it. <laughs> who is it a secret from? Literally, I'm pretty sure, like, I don't. The sheriff has literally been in it when Betty called them all down there. I was about to say, I was like, I was going to say, well, I guess it's a secret from the, nope, because FP has literally nope. been down there. Hermione has been down there. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone has been down there. What are you talking about? Anyway, it's not a secret. <laughs> One of the things that I liked the most about Tony and Cheryl this episode was just the line where Tony says, you wear many hats. And Cheryl says, stunningly, because <laughs> she's just like, she's just so ready right. for everything. Her mind is very quick, and that's something I like about Cheryl. Let's see. Reggie, uh, when they had mentioned the, like, wheel in the casino, he said, I got dibs on spinning it, and he's just a child, and I love him. I support him, and he's valid. Hiram said, the word on the street is that you have a casino, and I'm like, cool. So, thanks for keeping it a secret, everyone. (laughs) Hiram already knows about it. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, I wish we wouldn't use the word secret when it's not a secret. I don't think that we know what words mean in Riverdale. I, yeah. Um, okay, here's a here's a question I have now. Does Veronica still get 5% off of her debts, even though neither of those things worked out? Uh, great question. I, I really liked the way Ronnie negotiated for both of those things. Yeah. I mm-hmm. thought that was really clever of her in a way that she frequently, it, like, can be blinded by her father in her own business. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was clever of her to bargain for that and actually attempt to get it, and then to bargain for it again with Gladys. But now I'm like, that's a great point. I don't know if she'll actually get... I don't know if it'll even be addressed that she asked for 5% again. Yeah. I thought it was interesting because, like... Veronica being like, Gladys, can I get 5% off my debt? Um, Gladys literally has already paid Hermione. Like, this isn't just a debt like, please pay me. It's a debt like, I paid for something and now I need that money back because I didn't get what I paid for. And so by her being like, can I get 5% off my debt? That's her being like, you must pay to (laughs) perform at my speakeasy. And she's paying like quite a bit. Although we don't necessarily, like we know that it's 75,000 for Hiram, but we don't necessarily know how much it is for Gladys. It's a whole thing. But I wonder if Veronica, also 5% of $75,000 isn't as much as it being a million dollar thing for Hiram. Like if I were Veronica, I'd be like, can I get, like if you're making a million dollars off of this and I helped you do that, then I hope that 500 thousand dollars of that could go toward my debt for sure you know like i'd be like cool if i help you do this and it does make you a million dollars i shouldn't owe you anymore exactly like if you get that much money i should my debt should be cleared from something that i did like come on yeah exactly yeah literally you're using my establishment gladys is performing and she's not bad that guy's just a jerk that guy was fully a jerk like he was sleazy but also like why does gladys want to perform so bad that she's willing to like give Veronica a pay cut. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of weird. Like, I support her following her dreams, obviously, because I love women, but 
It was just kind of weird. Yeah. Like, that was I just, the thing that she bargained for. Right. I wonder what the, like, what the motivation was. You know, like, it would make more sense. And I'm not saying I want this because I'm a snake parents shipper for life, obviously. But, like, maybe if FP were there, which wouldn't make sense because he's the sheriff and they're worried about the police. But if he were there and she'd be like, I'm going to perform now and that'll remind him of the old days and blah, blah, blah. You know, it would make more sense. But right now it's kind of just, I want to sing. I think that does play into it later, just from mild spoilers that I've seen. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to, I don't know if this is next week or not. I don't think it is because they didn't seem to indicate it in what I saw of the trailer. But I'm pretty sure they're... At some point later in the season, they're throwing FP a birthday party. Do we know right. if that's next episode or that if it's later? It wasn't in the trailer that I saw, but I haven't seen the extended yet. Are you just talking about like what people have said on Twitter? Uh, just what's been said on Twitter and like because I've seen that. I saw the Skeet posted a selfie on Instagram a while back with right. a call sheet from a specific episode, but I don't remember which like episode number that it was. But right. they're throwing him a birthday party at Le Bon Wee, and I'm pretty sure Gladys is going to sing at it. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. It's so interesting to me that Jughead and FP are the only two people who have had birthdays. Like, I just wonder <laughs> about birthdays all the time. And I love how, um... Like, at least, just give Jughead another birthday so that we all know that a year has gone by, you know? <laughs> And it's so funny because apparently they're trying to make us believe that FP is turning 50. Um, But the kids were in high school in like 1991. I mean, the parents were in high school in Mm -hmm. 1991. But Charles would only be 25 now if Alice was pregnant. And that math doesn't work. He could be like turning 45 or 42. Like, come on. Because that means that Chick was supposed to be, like, in his mid-30s, right? Like, yeah. th- there's just no way that they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's my son for sure. Like, he's fully way younger than 30. Yeah, he's at most 25. Yeah, so, cool. Um, If they do that, I'm just going to laugh, because I'm not going to pretend that this show makes sense. Yeah, time isn't real in Riverdale. Everybody yeah. is every age all at once, because they're all the same people, just born twice. It seems to me that Gladys isn't, like, actively trying to get back together with FP. Why do you think that she still goes by Jones? Like, she's actively going by Jones, you know? I think it's part of... Like, she, like you said, she's not trying to actively get back together with him right now, as far as we can tell. Yeah. Though I do have questions about the trailer for next week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think the difference between her still going by Jones and Alice fully disowning Cooper is totally that Alice absolutely wants to separate herself completely from Hal Hal in every way Mm -hmm. like getting rid of the house getting rid of his name getting just getting away from him as far as possible because uh he's a terrible person uh and a serial killer so I'm surprised that we're not seeing Polly and Betty doing the same thing right obviously Betty Cooper is like iconic but still yeah but like I would want to dissociate from serial killers as much as I could. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But for Gladys, I feel like, one, she she and FP were only separated for, what, a year or so before the show started? Yeah, maybe. And so they've only been separated a while, a a short-ish. I don't know. It's not... It's not, like, been super short, like, a few months, but it's also not been enough that they would have, like, that they would have gotten divorced because they are technically still married, I believe. Question mark? Uh, I don't know how the law works in Riverdale. Yeah. (laughs) Who's to say? (laughs) 
but she um, she doesn't need to actively get away from FP, and it, it right. actually benefits her a lot to align herself with him at this point because he's the sheriff and she's trying to like get her hands on a lot of things in this town and if she can do that sort of using that leverage that she has there and her history with the town and her history with him I think she's going to use that to her advantage yeah also they just haven't given her a last name that isn't Jones yet (laughs) yeah true right 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 (laughs) So, uh, clearly, one of the things that the Pretty Poisons should be doing now that they work for Veronica is checking bags. Oh, for sure. Um, for security reasons, because Gladys fully brought a knife. <laughs> what does she have? Um, and that's concerning. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, though, down there in this shady secret, secret quotation marks, um, mm-hmm. nightclub, are probably also carrying things like that like i feel like hiram carries a gun just oh hmm, yeah i don't know he just right because he doesn't have any capos right now to like do it for him right yeah and he seems like that kind of guy i wanted to point out that the uh when reggie tries to like get the the guy out um he calls reggie cheekbones which i think is a (laughs) great nickname for him that was Um, delightful thanks um so when veronica comes back she notices that gladys and hiram are basically acting like they own the place they're you know gladys is freaking behind the bar but i literally laughed out loud hiram saying i picked out those light fixtures myself (laughs) i laughed i thought that was so funny also did he question mark no like he didn't have any input in this existence whatsoever no he's like thank you for coming to my speakeasy <laughs> i was like sir <laughs> i thought that was so funny that's like probably one of my favorite things hiram has done also with um when veronica when he came to pops that one time veronica was like what do you want dad and he was like are you like mad at me <laughs> i thought that was so funny oh and then also of course well that's just great fred right um <laughs> Veronica asks Tony if they'll work at the speakeasy, and Tony's like, my girls aren't waitresses. And I'm like, I don't think Veronica would ever do that. No. She would never be like, let me ask this tough, all these tough girls if they'll be waitresses. I don't think that's what no. she, she would ever do. No. But she's like, do you want to run the idea by Cheryl? No, not a problem. And I'm still on Tony's side here because Cheryl has made it very clear, even though not necessarily with her facial expressions, but with her words, that these are Tony's. This is Tony's gang. It's up to Tony. This is Tony's gang. It's an above board decision. It's not like shady or... No, like, yeah. It's, it's a completely valid operation to get involved in. And I think it's a smart move on Veronica's part to go to the Pretty Poisons instead of the Serpents because she's not mm-hmm. getting further involved with Gladys and the murky waters there. Right. Um, okay, now let me ask you another question. Do you think that the... And, and it hasn't seemed like there's been a problem yet, but I'm interested in maybe this becoming a bit of a uh, an issue. Do you think that the Pretty Poisons are more um, loyal to Cheryl over Tony? Because we've seen them as a group with Cheryl more often. I hope it doesn't come to that. But if it does, I worry for Tony as to who they'll... Like, if, if it comes to blows and they, like, go against each other, I worry that more of them will side with Cheryl because she seems more authoritative just because right. she's been acting bossy. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just frustrating. This The way that they're handling this is frustrating me. And it's also clear that Tony is trying to be like, hey, and, like, trying to be, like, a good girlfriend, continuing to, you know, ask her if she's going to come to the thing. Like, it seems Cheryl's the one who's being standoffish. Absolutely. I just can't support Cheryl in this this at all. Yeah, the way that they're writing Cheryl 
in the past two episodes is just inconsistent with the way that they had been writing Cheryl, and it's annoying. Some consistency is key. Dear Riverdale writer's room, please watch the episodes before the ones that you write. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cheryl is reading The Price of Salt, which was mentioned a few episodes ago, I think in Bizarro Dale. I think, I think yeah. it was Ardale, written by Patricia Highsmith. It's another lesbian <laughs> book. Um, support her. And it's yeah, she just, when when she says she's not going to go, and then Tony says, like, okay, well, I'll see you later. And she goes, I'll be asleep. Like, and then Tony leaves, and then her face is, like, upset. I'm like, what's the problem here? It's like, you're, you're the one in the wrong. Also, isn't that book the one that Carol is based off of? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Cool. Just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> but yeah, like, Cheryl is- What happens in- what happens in that? Can you tell us what the summary is? Uh, of Carol? Uh, I only watched it once, uh, and it's been a while, but it's a- I think set in the 50s? Uh, romance between a young shop girl and this, like, wealthy- woman who's in an unhappy marriage and they sort of fall in love and carol eventually gets to leave her husband because he's garbage and it's like all fraught and dramatic and it's an excellent film but it's very love it uh angsty and sad but at the end it does sort of have a happy ending where they find each other again and are able to uh i think enter into a relationship in a way that is less clandestine and more just honest so yeah that's nice i love seeing these characters read that's one of my favorite things about lost also is if you look at what the characters are reading it always really tells you something about the show about what's going on right now so i love i love seeing characters read because you can always find something cool in it but yeah just cheryl's looking upset and it's like you're making up your own conflict yeah there is no conflict here you're it's all you yeah like you are causing the problem between you and tony like Mm -hmm. i know that cheryl is just it's her natural instinct to be in charge of things but like she can let tony lead yeah so lastly what i had in this storyline was that they were like sorry you can't come in you need an engraved invitation (laughs) but just you though everybody else can come in really right but you need an engraved invitation (laughs) Uh, and i thought that was funny um did you have anything else to say about that storyline i'm gonna check my notes okay um i did want to i did we did miss the fight at the beginning because it was not yeah, I put that in the Jughead oh, okay. storyline. Cool, cool, cool. Because he mentions, like, the science stuff being stolen and everything, and that goes into Jughead stuff later. Oh, I had <clears> my... <throat> my question was, how in the world did they afford these upgrades for Le Bon Wee? Oh my how? gosh. I know, because it's like, we have no money, and they haven't done a casino night yet. Like, they have no money, and they're in debt to multiple people. And it's like, not only did they afford multiple gaming devices and which are expensive setups yeah exactly they also afforded upgrades to the building itself to hide all of them and i'm like yeah how does money work so many questions should we do archie now yeah okay here's my summary for archie gym dude mo tells archie that he has to pay to come to the gym or be a janitor and archie loves hard labor so he's in (laughs) as archie's cleaning up josie comes to see him and they discover a kid squatting at the gym they take him to pops and they think they should call social services ricky tries to bolt and he tells him that he came from a terrible shelter and that gang members gave him the sacrifice brand he lets ricky stay in his garage he promises not to call social services he does pretty immediately though (laughs) Um, when he gets to Pops, where he left Ricky, Pop says he ran off and also was drawing troubling doodles. <laughs> he talks to the social worker. She says that the shelter's actually pretty good. 
Archie finds Ricky at the gargoyle den where he also sees the list of sacrifices. He takes him home and they play video games. Archie gets a call from Mrs. Weiss telling him that Ricky is Joaquin's younger brother. Ricky fully played him and attacks Archie. Fred comes in to help him. Everyone is still trying to kill the Red Paladin. Womp womp. Womp womp. I like how Archie has to work for his time at the gym because gyms aren't free. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and and that's something that we would have brought up if they hadn't. Yeah. You know, so I appreciate them bringing it up. We're like, thanks, Mo, for saying five lines. Appreciate you. <laughs> and I hope that um, Archie actually sticks with this because he's had a kind of shaky job history so far. So mm-hmm. uh, I hope this one works out for him. That's all. I would actually say that this is one of Archie's more interesting episodes. Yeah, for sure. It's potentially just because it's being brought back into the G&G storyline, which I'm interested Same. in too, <laughs> but still. But Archie Archie is wholesome in this episode in a way that yeah. Archie is at his best when he's wholesome. So mm-hmm. I think that had a lot to do with it too. Right. I found it so interesting on rewatch. I know that you weren't able to rewatch it, but um, on rewatch for me, it was really interesting knowing that Ricky was playing Archie. Mm-hmm. Going back and rewatching changed like everything. Yeah. Um. So so when when he's like clinking around playing with his lighter and stuff at the very beginning when we first meet him, it's clear that that kid was fully making noise on purpose. Oh yes. Yeah. He was waiting. He was like, find me, come find me, you know? Um, I want to give him a shout out, not even necessarily just the kid who played him, who I thought was great, but also just that kid in general is like a really great actor. Yeah, and just the way that they wrote this character was like- To be a kid? mm Top-notch horror movie tropes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also, what you were pointing out, like you said, I haven't rewatched it, but it changing things like that. When you pointed out that the uh, social worker said that that place was pretty good. um, Yeah. In the initial watch, I, like, didn't pay much attention to her. Like, I didn't pay, give much gravity to her saying that because I was just like, yeah, sure, whatever, lady. You probably haven't even been there. Literally, yes. now, knowing that Ricky is, uh bananas <laughs> it's like oh it fully probably is a good shelter and this kid is a creepy liar yeah i found i found the same thing in, on rewatch too is the first i believe the first time i watched it when i was watching it last night um i was thinking like okay lady well bad things happen in shelters we've seen though <laughs> okay i'm sure you thought the sisters was great too right miss weiss <laughs> but yeah definitely on rewatch totally changes things um another thing that ricky says is that he never knew his parents but but now it's like okay so is that true like can we take that as canon was he raised by Joaquin did Joaquin um never know his parents either or is he just lying you know like I can't tell see I it's either a lie or he and Joaquin were both sort of raised in the serpents um right because I would fully believe that for sure just because Mm -hmm. it's you know the not so good part of town and the serpents take in people like that from the south side so mm-hmm. if he didn't know his parents because they died or something for some reason or they abandoned them i would also believe it but i also don't know what to believe because this kid is clearly a liar right he says that the shelter was named santa lucia shelter and i did some research on that so um santa lucia or saint lucy mm-hmm. i think it's so crazy seeing uh, basically she was a figure in uh 
in religion right. and uh, yeah she's a christian martyr and i think it's crazy looking at at, at her birth dates and her <laughs> just because she's from so far in history that her literal like birth and death year is 283 <laughs> to 304 oh, wow and I just think that sort of thing is crazy. St. Lucy or St. Lucia um, was a Christian martyr who died during the Diocletianic persecution. Uh-huh. She is venerated as a saint by the Roman Catholic, Anglican, Lutheran, and Orthodox churches. She is one of eight women along with uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary who are commemorated by name in the canon of the Mass. Her feast day, known as St. Lucy's Day, is celebrated in the West on 13th of December. St. Lucia or or Lucia of uh, Syracuse was honored in the Middle Ages and remained a well-known saint in early modern England. So I checked out um, what she was martyred for, like what she was um, um, executed for. And I think it was just because she was really into her religion. And of course, like probably the people who the higher ups were probably against her religion. And I think that's why she was executed. Probably Um, at Claire Willett, our local. Yeah, right. I didn't, I didn't ask her about it, but (laughs) Uh, just, Dear Claire, if you listen to this uh, and have listener thoughts for the next episode about Santa Lucia, please deliver them. Thank you. Um, And also Lucy or Lucia is uh, supposed to mean like light in Latin. Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to be like she saw the light, but then she was killed or something like that. Okay. Um, Yeah. Like we said, Claire, get back to us. (laughs) Welcome back to Ms. Weiss. Didn't think we'd see her again. Right. Oh my gosh. I I never think we're going to see Elio either. (laughs) When was she in before um when betty was like hey can we get all these kids from the sisters out of here and she was like um yeah i guess (laughs) was she this would require going back even further but did we see the social worker when jughead was gonna be moved to the south side you know what i think we actually did and i think i think it could have been her let me do some let me do some checking out here real quick okay yeah, that definitely could have been her. Because, like, that's where my brain went. That would be dope. Because yeah. that was, like, season one stuff. Like, if they continuously, if they can use her continuity-wise, that would be really cool. But then it would also make me wonder why they're so bad at continuity with their main characters. It is. It is. It's her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Riverdale um, has one lawyer and one social worker. Yeah, chapter 13, The Sweet Hereafter. Jughead, I know how terrible and emotional the last few days have been for you. Your father's facing serious jail time. Your mom's overextended and out of state. We just want to make sure that you're taken care of. Yeah, is a social services worker who was handed Jughead's case. Amazing. Oh, and she also was a friend of Jughead's to discuss her long-lost brother. Ah. So she's been here this whole time. (laughs) So never mind. Me saying, didn't think I'd see her again. Um, I should have thought we would see her again because I just fully forgot it was her all these other times. Our one consistent, uh, through thread is the return of this lady. Shout out. Shout out. So this guy has this, this, um, this, he, he, he's a sketch artist. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, you know, you see actual sketches from sketch artists and stuff and it's like, they have to take it fully just from people's words, you know? There's no way that that could be that accurate. That looks exactly like that kid. And there's no freaking way that Archie was like, yeah, this is how many inches wide his nose is. You know, like, that's ridiculous. Right. Like, my, uh, I have no personal experience with a sketch artist, but Mm -hmm. my most memorable knowledge of a sketch artist is Angela on Bones. Uh, And I feel like she had a lot more to go off of Mm -hmm. than Archie Andrews' testimony. And also right. she worked for the FBI, question mark, mm-hmm. slash Smitho- Smithsonian, question mark. Bones fans, correct me. But <laughs> it's just like, this 
is a podunk town with an average police system slash social services team. That's a pretty impressive art there, sir. Did you yeah. did you go to Juilliard too? Yeah. <laughs> um, when they got to the um, gargoyle den, it, it has this thing uh, when you're looking at the list of people who are sacrifices and it says fate, but I misread it when I was watching it last night and I thought it said Tate and I was like, <laughs> no, Pop, no. no. I was like, don't kill Pop. And then I was like, oh, it says fate. Never mind. Like, you know that vine? You know that vine where that there, he's like, oh, look, a bear. No. And he's like, oh, never mind. He's fine. He's that's, like, oh. that's exactly, that's the exact <laughs> journey that my mind went on. Thank you so much for allowing me to witness it. Yeah, that's like exactly what it was. <laughs> when you said Tate, my brain just mm. went to uh, the first season of American Horror Story. And I was like, if he shows up, I'm going to be annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for bringing me back around to Pop Tate. And then Pop Tate <laughs> reassuring me that it's not even relevant. No. <laughs> um, <clears throat> once again, I just want to give a shout out to Ricky. This kid knows what he's doing and he knows exactly what to say. Like they find him and he says that they use kids as runners because they don't get as much jail time. And I wonder if that is even true. That's another thing that, you know, you can't really, obviously he's a unreliable narrator in this sense. Like I wonder if there are actual gang members trying to get kids. And it makes sense right. kind of because he's like, they won't let me play with them until I freaking kill the red paladin or something. So I guess that would that would make sense, but instead of him saying no, he said yes. And like maybe did Joaquin Joaquin got in with the gargoyles too before he died. Yeah, in inside the jail. Yeah. So like he wouldn't have been like Ricky wouldn't have been around to see Joaquin get into the gargoyles. So if he was left in serpent custody, I have questions. Yeah, it's a it's a little murky. I wonder if maybe this plot is the... really good if you don't look at it too closely. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if like the gargoyles, like one of them, maybe like got out of jail because because Joaquin got let out of jail and then joined the actual gargoyles, right? So like maybe yeah. it's the gargoyles who were never in jail. Then Joaquin one day was like, "Go find my brother quick before I get murdered." And then they do find his brother, and then they're like hey, your brother wanted you to play G&G &G and, and finish this quest that he couldn't finish, or I don't know, something like that. I don't know, my brain was just trying to figure out where he would have learned about kids getting short jail time. And I'm like, the serpents right. are mostly above board, but like maybe yeah. in season one they were shadier, so maybe it, he learned well, back then, but I don't know. Right, it makes sense that if, you know, a lot of these teens, even if they don't have their parents, they're, like, maybe over 16, and so they don't really have to go into a more serious shelter, but he's, like, a child, right? So they're not gonna let him just, like, hang around by himself. Right. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Ricky is out here, like, trying on Archie's jacket and everything, which is, like, would be so cute if we didn't know it was a ploy. Yeah. This kid knows what he's doing. Yeah. So, uh, one of my, my next question was, what does this mean for Joaquin? But I think that we kind of talked a little bit more about it already. Um, she says that he, uh, Ricky, that is, uh, has a history of violent behavior and self-harm. So that kind of tells us that he gave himself the, the sacrifice brand before we're even really told, you know? Right. Yeah. I loved this scene. I fully, because I was doing my uh, Fitbit steps while I was watching this episode because I only had a few mm -hmm. left. And when this happened, I just sat down on the edge of my bed and was like, oh, shit. Because it had huge horror movie parallels. Like, yeah. I would have to, like, browse through to actually figure out what 
it's directly paralleling. My first thought, just for me personally, was that it uh, mirrored a little bit of Orphan, uh, which is a terrifying movie where this family adopts a little girl from Russia, but technically she's not a little girl because she has this disease that makes her look like a little girl. Um, Mm. And she goes crazy and the mom gets this phone call that she's not actually who she says she is and uh, at the same time this little girl is like revealing that she's not a little girl and then comes in to kind of kill them all. Uh, That's gotta be it. That's gotta be it. Right? It it was very much like that to me but it may be paralleling something else if other horror movie fans want to weigh in on that. Um, But it... It was very much like that and like just the increasing anxiety of Archie like going through the house and like having that information like settle in over him uh, was just very well done and then having him turn around and the kid be there with a knife, a huge knife, Mm -hmm. was I, I just thought it was like one of the best scenes they've done in a while. I thought it was really cool. I, you know, I don't care what happens to Archie, but in that moment, I definitely was like, why am I worried about Archie? Please don't hurt Archie, which is weird. Yeah, like, they did a great job of, like, giving the audience that same sense of anxiety that Archie has trying to find this kid. Yeah, yeah. And then the way Fred comes in and interrupts is also done really well. Uh, And then them Mm -hmm. both finding the card is just perfect. Yeah. Also, that kid's got a freaking big knife. And, you know, he was, like, scoping out that knife the first time he came into his house. That's messed up. But yeah, he says he wants to play with the gargoyles, and that's how they're gonna let him play. Is th- Are these, like, the same gargoyles who- Like, can I- Can I give you a whack job theory that probably might not even come to fruition? We may not even never, ever know. Of course, I love whack job theories. That I just came up with in my brain. <laughs> um, what if the gargoyles who Ricky wants to play with, Kurtz slash Brian, mm-hmm. and his friends- so when they're like, hey, we're looking for this kid, Kurtz is like, I already know what's up with that kid, and that's why he doesn't want to help. Ooh, I could see that. Like, that was something that crossed my mind, too, was, but when when Kurtz said he didn't want to help, when I initially watched it, because at that point, I didn't know that Ricky was yeah. lying, I thought mm-hmm. that Kurtz was just one of the kids who, one of the ki- guys who had, like, beat him up. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, oh yeah, gotcha. That makes Uh, sense, too. Yeah, like, he's, like, one of the guys who found him in Pops. So if he's one of the ones that wants to play with him, that would also make sense. Like, that would line up. Mm -hmm. So I support your theory. Thank you. So do you think that because Joaquin's quest assignment was to kill Archie, that they have given quest assignment to the kid because he's, like, finish what your brother couldn't or something? I think that would make sense. Cool. My next question was, how does Ricky know about the stabbing? Because he, like, stabs him in, like, the exact same place, too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just because Joaquin was with the gargoyles, and the gargoyles are the ones who asked him to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he slashed instead of stabbed, I think. Right, I noticed that, too. Jughead later says that he wants, that maybe it's time to make this G&G game that he's been a part of when he doesn't actually want to be. Maybe it's time to, like, actually make something happen, and Jughead says that he will help, and so will Betty. That part has me excited. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, yes, make Archie interesting. Thank you. And it's like, bring back the game <laughs> in a fun way. Yeah. Just It's just one of my questions that when did all of the kids stop becoming interested in G&G? Because like for the first half of the season, they were all like super into it. And then they were all like, never mind. And it's just like, 
Same. Question. What happened? Why did you all stop? I remember when season three started and I was just like, this has changed my life. This is everything. And then it's like, and now it's like, okay, I don't care about the speakeasy though. Like I care about G&G. Exactly. Like the kids all stopped caring at the same sort of time. And I'm like, but, but I have questions about the game and how it connects to your parents and how it connects to the entire town. And why did you all stop playing for some reason? (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about Fred. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you know, this episode we had Fred being, like, the best dad ever, like he always is. As per usual. And it might be too soon, but what do you, what like, what do you think they're gonna do with Fred's character? Um, I don't know how they'll, like, exactly fit it into the story without Luke. Um. Yeah. But I do understand how they could make it very narratively rich for Archie. Um, mm-hmm. because it would... I, I feel bad talking about it like this because it's yeah. it's just really hard to talk about it because I don't want to like disrespect Luke and his family at all. Of course. But I also understand that it would just from my perspective narratively in the story it would be a very rich parallel for Archie because in the the flashbacks for Fred, his father also passed away. So right. they could use that for Archie in a, in a way that I think would be story satisfying out of such a horrible and tragic thing. Yeah, I remember discussing Fred's death with Brittany even a few episodes ago. And I don't remember exactly why we were talking about it. But we were saying that it's, it would be so hard to see Fred die because he's like the literal moral epicenter of all of Riverdale. Like, I can't name one bad thing yeah, absolutely. that Fred ever did other than like s- s- be with Hermione a little bit, but her husband was in jail and he was separated from her. So it's like, was that even adultery really when it seemed like Hermione was still kind of separated from her husband? Like, and like I th- Fred has never done anything immoral in his life. Yeah, and like even then it was, they were old sweethearts and she was she's in an abusive relationship so like i don't even count that as like immoral <sighs> yeah but it's just like and it's just so so i'm i'm really torn between them being like oh unfortunately fred has passed away off 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 screen which is like obviously fred deserves a more heroic death than that but what can you do when the actor has unfortunately passed away as well right but um and i'm i'm halfway between that happening and having that be just a really, really heckin' sad episode. And then recasting him. And obviously nobody could ever live up to what Luke Perry did. What he did with Fred was incredible and fantastic. But uh, I don't want Fred to die, man! Yeah, me either. When we, especially when we started this season and during the Midnight Club flashback, it didn't even occur to me that Fred could eventually possibly pass away like it wasn't even on my radar during that episode which is weird because I did use that episode to like argue for a weird time loop kind of thing which would then make sense for Fred to eventually pass away in a way that affected Archie at a young age but when I watched the Midnight Club the first time I initially thought that Tom and Sierra were marked for death um just because of the Romeo and Juliet parallel that they gave them at the end of the episode. Uh And just the fact that they're more tertiary characters, I feel than Fred and Riverdale does tend to sacrifice uh, characters on the outskirts kind of like that. 
but I don't know. I don't know. It's just sad. Yeah. And it, um, yeah, like you said, no one could like live up to re- recasting in an in the way mm-hmm. that Luke did. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's just a sticky situation and it's just very hard and I'm yeah. interested to see how they'll handle it going forward. Um, I, yeah. I did see today that the rest of the episodes for the entire show will be dedicated to Luke and I think that's really, yeah. really beautiful. Not even just for the rest of the season, but for the whole yeah. show. I think that's so wonderful. I agree. And before we move on from this, once again, we would just like to say that we, all of this whole conversation has been with the deepest respect for anybody who knew him personally and anybody who enjoyed his work over the years, including us. And once again, we're just so sorry that this happened. It's really heartbreaking. Absolutely. So moving on, would you like to talk about Betty or Jughead next? Uh, I liked Betty's storyline a little better, so let's do Jughead. <laughs> let's do Jughead. Okay, sounds good. Um... But before we move on, uh, let's talk a little bit about Patreon. Ooh. We have something called Patreon. Uh, basically, you donate monthly to some of your favorite creators. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. It's really expensive. We now have four different feeds and SoundCloud Pro we have to pay for because we have over three hours of content. <laughs> um, so if you guys could help us out in any way, it would be so, so, so helpful. But of course, if you uh, are unable to donate for any reason, the next best thing that you can do is recommend us to a friend. So um, yeah, we would just really appreciate anything that you can do. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, one other thing is right before we do the outro, I read um, the prequel to Riverdale. I finished it last <laughs> night. If you guys didn't know, there was this book that came out. Um, it was pretty short. It was only like 250 pages. And it was supposed to be a prequel. It was supposed to be like July 3rd. Basically, it was the whole book was July 3rd from everybody's different perspectives. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have bought it if the cover wasn't so beautiful. <laughs> the cover was literally gorgeous. Um, but I didn't even really like the book. It was kind of boring. And so before the outro, I wrote down some things that I read in the book that might be relevant to the actual show not even like I don't know if it counts as canon or not but I did write down some notes while I was reading so before the outro we're going to talk about that so don't leave (laughs) before the outro if you care about that or you can skip over it I don't care um all right so we're going to talk about Jughead now great okay all of the storylines intersect when the gargoyles the poisons and the farmies all get in a fight about who can be in a room Basically, Jug and Tony get a talking to from Weatherby. He says that the chemistry lab was robbed. They both promise it wasn't them. Jughead confronts the serpents about the robbery. The gargoyles confess, saying it was a quest for G&G. Jug tells them they need to work together, but he says it more yelly than that. <laughs> um, Brian says it seems that maybe the tables are turned. Maybe the serpents are the gargoyles now. Not Maybe the serpents need the... What am I trying to... Maybe the serpents are the gargoyles now, not the other way around. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Jug goes complaining to FP about it, and he basically is like, cool, not really my problem. You do you. It's your thing, not mine. They need to help Archie find Ricky, but Brian doesn't want to. A few of the gargoyles help, though. They are cool. Uh, Brian tries to fully kill Fangs, but I am not worried. Um, (laughs) His boyfriend, Sweet Pea, and also Jughead catch and save him. Jughead and FP decide that the servants will be deputies to the sheriff, and everyone who isn't about it is out. So Brian leaves. (laughs) So I'm going to keep calling Brian. I am also going to keep calling him Brian, but I named him 
Edgelord Brian because sure dear lord because he's not Brian he's different than Brian yeah but he's still Brian last episode we were like what does his name mean what the heck and I just wanted to say that I think I figured out what his name means okay because of a lucky thing that happened <laughs> I was watching the beginning of Lost season four with my friend Casey and your friend Casey we're all friends with Casey we yeah. love Casey I was watching uh we watched episode 401 and episode 402 on FaceTime because she's just watching for the first time and it's very exciting Anyway, I was watching Lost, and this is just like a lucky thing. I love coincidences. Sawyer called, I can't remember exactly who he called it, but he called somebody Colonel Kurtz. And Colonel Kurtz is a character from Apocalypse Now. He's a fictional character, the main antagonist of Apocalypse Now. So I'm basically trying to figure out what the heck. Either way, he's an antagonist. I don't know if his name is actually Kurtz, like Brian that is. I don't know if his name is actually Kurtz or if it's a nickname. It would make sense if it was a nickname because he's the antagonist. So yeah, I think that's what his name came from. Thanks. Yeah, it wouldn't be above them to do a reference like that. Yeah, because I feel like they're they're fully smart enough to do that. And like he's got similar film nerd energy mm -hmm. to Jughead. Yeah. Uh so I, I could see that for sure. Mm -hmm. I have not seen Apocalypse Now. I saw pieces of Apocalypse Now in film school, but I never watched it fully. So sorry everyone. <laughs> I wonder if I also saw pieces of when I was in did my film minor. Maybe. Huh? Not I don't remember any of it, but, like, it's always been a movie that I was aware of and had zero interest in. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so my main question for at least the beginning of Jughead's storyline is, why doesn't Evelyn get in trouble? It feels like there are three ki kinds of, there are, like, three gangs, really, in the kerfuffle, and two of the leaders of the gangs get in trouble, but Evelyn doesn't. Yeah, but Evelyn doesn't. Yeah, question, do the farmies have... Whether it be in their pocket. That would make sense. I would fully believe that. Yeah, I would buy it. And also, I can't stand Evelyn. Yeah. She's the worst. I do like her 70s aesthetic outfits, though. Mm. Every episode, I'll she gets grosser. Every episode. Yeah. And it's just like, stop it. Get some help. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, when they confess to have stolen the stuff from the chemistry lab, he's like, well, you can't be doing that. And he says, you promised us immunity. And I'm like, from the sheriff, not the principal. You can still get in trouble. Yeah, you idiot. Like, ugh. You can still get everybody freaking expelled. Yeah, like, Stupid. uh, buddy? <laughs> hey, um, buddy? That's not a full pass to be, uh, the worst. So yeah. <laughs> I think it's actually great. I love Fangs with my whole heart and everybody knows that. But one of the things that we did not expect there to be continuity for was there being consequences for Fangs having been a spy and everybody knowing that it was Fangs who was the spy. We figured, okay, well, now that's over. So I just wanted to shout out there being consequences for that. Yeah, for sure. Like consequences are a thing that I think uh, Rivendell could use more of. Agreed. Yeah. Because then there's more stakes. Exactly. The whole main thing, like, the main thing we learned in, like, theater school and film school, like, how to act is you have to know what your stakes are. It's like, you, for, let me give an example. Um, for example, what are Betty's stakes last episode? When she's talking to Martha in the bunker. Is she thinking, cool, my mom might drown. Yikes. Or... Is, does Lily know what her freaking stakes are and know that her character's mom could die who she loves and that's what makes her run and makes her, right. you know, 
on the ground crying when she takes her mom out of the thing, you know? Stakes are, like, the whole thing, and if there's no consequences, Mm -hmm. then it's like, when they say, hey, Fangs, will you be a double agent? And Fangs is like, I'm honored. And you're like, of course, I'm glad that you're honored. But if there are no consequences, then him being a spy has no stakes. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, It's not something, like, we're not worried about him getting caught because there are no stakes and there are no consequences. So I'm just glad that there are consequences. Yeah, because frequently Riverdale, like, erases its own consequences. Yeah. Something that mattered previously doesn't matter anymore, and that's annoying, but I love when there are high stakes and, like, things actually matter, and uh, actions have consequences. And I love what you pointed out with the high stakes around Betty going to save Alice last week. If that had been a turning point for Alice, I would have loved that scene even more. Mm -hmm. As it stands, though, I did quite enjoy that scene, just because I like any moment when Betty and Alice are actually working together. And I liked Betty being the one to actually, like, come through for Alice and actually literally save her life um, Mm -hmm. when Polly fully could have killed her. Do you think... This is more just back on last week's episode, Mm -hmm. which I should have commented then. But do you think that will be at all of a wake-up call for Polly? That's funny. I brought up the same thing. Oh, great. (laughs) Yeah, I brought up the same thing in the pod. Was, will that be that be a calling... Uh, what 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 did you just call it? I don't know. I'm I'm out of it now. A wake up call. A wake up call. <laughs> now I went downstairs and now I'm like, where's my brain? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said the same thing. I, I'd like to see it. I would love that. I think then it would make everything worth it. Cause like that pause for a second when Betty yes. says she's not breathing. Yes. Polly looks like, oh my god, did I just kill my mom? Yes, exactly. And although we don't, we didn't see much of it this episode, and I know we're fully not on that storyline yet, but we're talking about it now. <laughs> I had a theory that Alice is being groomed to be Edgar's new wife. Ooh. Um, because, because it doesn't seem like anybody else has gone through this baptism. Uh, and it also... Right, at least not since Martha's dead sister. Right. Um, or at least nobody we know, like, we're supposed to be like, wow, Polly, you're so in on this farm, but clearly, you know, even though she's been there longer, she hasn't gone through this baptism or else she'd fully be dead. Right. Uh, and she also, at the end of the episode, she says, we'll all be together, me, you, Polly, Evelyn, Edgar, and I'm like, oh, why are they a part of this? (laughs) You know? And it's like, does Alice even realize that she's being, that that's being, what's being done to her? Yeah. Because like, as far as we know, she's still fully in a relationship with FP. Exactly. As far as we know. Thanks for cutting that scene, Riverdale. (laughs) Um, And now that Alice is like, wants to move away from somewhere, then she won't have anywhere to sleep with FP because FP's wife is at his trailer. (laughs) Awkward. Um, But going back to talking about stakes, like with that whole baptism scene there being so much stakes I find and I know once again we're not on that storyline yet but (laughs) that's kind of what I was missing at the end when Betty fully chooses to commit arson is the stakes yeah you know she's she comes down the stairs and I knew I knew she was gonna fully just set her house on fire which gives me Cheryl season one vibes but absolutely but I would have liked I mean, I guess when she did that, my heart was like, I could never, no matter how many garbage things happened in that house, and maybe not enough garbage things happened in my house, but I could never set my childhood house on fire. I'm so, I'm just too sentimental. I could never do it. I have thoughts on Betty's motivation, but should I save them for when we get there in the- Yeah, 
You're right. You're right. Storylines or should I share them now? Yeah, let, let's let's talk about them then. Don't forget them though, okay? Okay. No, I have them. But yeah, I just found that there weren't any stakes in that in that scene, hardly. Um, and we'll talk about that again later. But they start yelling, like they start literally yelling the laws at the gargoyles, being like, "You don't know the laws." And I'm like, you know how Jughead learned the laws from the gauntlet when they all freaking punched him, and he had still had to like say what the laws were. You had to freaking get bit by a snake and crap, like. <laughs> Shouldn't all these dudes be going to the gauntlet <laughs> to become a freaking serpent? Right. Like, where? where's the effort here? Are the only serpents left just Sweet Pea Fangs and Jughead? Because I don't recognize anybody else. <laughs> right, I don't recognize any of them. And also, uh, we're meeting at school yeah. only now. Yeah. Uh, and I still have yet to completely understand why Gladys thought it was, like, super relevant to bring in the gauntlet gargoyles right. because so far they've caused nothing but trouble right yeah i i mean i would like i get she's got secret plans for like drug dealing and you know right. all of her shady dealings mm -hmm. but why exactly does it help uh jughead again great question hmm, who knows <laughs> it's mentioned that there are some gargoyles that are still out there that weren't that didn't join up with the serpents mm -hmm. and then fang says you mean there are gargoyles out there that are crazier than you and he's just a crazy guy. Fangs just yells things. But um, also it's another reason for them to hurt him later. Yeah, because he made a personal attack. Like they're just being like, see, Fangs, they, they're have they're butting heads, uh, right? All the, the ones, the gargoyles that say that they will help, they are my friends. And I like them. <laughs> that was so nice. I support them only. Mm -hmm. All of this, like, I fully just didn't have any... <laughs> notes about them like fully just dropping fangs because i was like last episode we saw this in the trailer and i was like they're not gonna kill fangs and guess what they didn't so that's <laughs> it and of course we know about the whole you'll fly too and everything we've already talked about that earlier in the right. season i love i loved um jughead and sweepy catching him though i thought yeah. that was like really well shot oh when they were like quick come quick come quick and they you think he's gonna kill fangs and of course i was like watching sweet be like a hawk i was like go save your boyfriend because i ship it thanks yeah also same yeah jughead calls the other gargoyles heckle and jekyll and the first time i watched <laughs> it i was like isn't it mr hyde <laughs> <laughs> But, um, no, he was making a different reference. Um, Heckle and Jekyll are post-war animated cartoon characters. The characters are a pair of identical anthropomorphic yellow-billed magpies. Oh, from what? Created by Paul Terry, originally produced at his own Terry Toons animation studio. So, huh. it's like, like Looney Tunes, but worse, question mark? <laughs> Interesting. I guess. Because, like, I like that Heckle and Jekyll rhymes, and it sort of makes more sense for, like, the ghoulies' energy mm -hmm. is kind of, like creepy and also harassing people. yeah gargoyles um, you mean but i know oh yeah sorry yeah. but yeah i fully didn't catch that before yeah. <laughs> um jughead calls fp serpent emeritus and that just means that he is retired oh, okay um, um still frustrated that fp is not serpent king because he basically is jughead is a terrible leader whenever jughead's like i don't know what to do he tells him what to do so he's basically the leader Exactly, like literally Jughead just like, he's like, he's like a vice principal or a substitute teacher or um, yeah. just like a stand-in for his dad. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. like anytime anything real needs to be done or Jughead needs actual weight to the things he says, FP is there. So right. technically <laughs> it's still FP's gang because yeah. Jughead is a terrible king. So, speaking of FP, 
um, he says, hey, you can come and be my little deputies, and you guys get money and also school credit for colleges. I was like, what a nice little, like, detail mm-hmm. to say school credit, because, you know, we've seen Cheryl and Tony be worried about college a lot, and um, Betty got all of her college funds taken away. I like that they're talking about college and that they get school credit. I'm just happy for them. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. The Gargoyle Den, they say, is going to be their new HQ. Do you think we're saying goodbye to Dilton's head, uh, Dilton's bunker now? Um, I think we'll see the bunker again, just because it mm-hmm. plays in with G&G, I think. Yeah. But their HQ, I don't think the bunker was really their HQ anyway. Um, right. But they don't own the White Worm anymore. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that is where they're, I feel like they're shifting to that from the White Worm and not necessarily from the bunker. Does that make sense? Also, we have no idea where in Riverdale this place is. Like, we know that the bunker is, like, in Fox Forest or whatever, by the freaking footbridge or whatever, mm-hmm. but we have no idea where in Riverdale this takes place. Is it is it on the south side? Is it, like, I don't know. I'm confused. It's probably on the east side. I just made okay. that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so my last question for this storyline was, will we ever see Brian again? Do you think this is the end of Brian, or do you think he's going to go and collect the other gargoyles and and come and be an antagonist again? Uh, I think he will probably turn up in a few episodes to completely cause trouble, because that's just the kind of energy he has. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, especially if he's still, still, like, if his main priority is playing the game, I think he will probably turn up again when the game uh, sort of reaches a fever pitch. And right. Maybe he'll be one of the people coming after Archie, um, or maybe he's he's on a completely different quest or something. Yeah, weird that he fully was in the bunker with Archie, in like with the Red Paladin, and fully just didn't try and kill him. I think it's just because it was too crowded. Right. Oh yeah. And there were too many people to like defend him. Yeah, and like you can't get away with yeah. murder uh with that many witnesses around. Yeah. One other thing that we wanted to talk about real quick was Sweet River Con. It's happening uh in Vancouver, November eighth to tenth. We will be there and also so will Sam. <laughs> I sure heckin' will. And and uh Camila, Skeet, Machen, and Vanessa so far have all been announced. So um yeah, that's and gonna they- be fun. And Maybe we'll have an announcement next episode, maybe? Hopefully next episode. If not, the Heather's <laughs> Musical episode, for sure. Um, yeah. And they uh, also have more guests to be announced in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is super exciting. Uh, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. So you guys should come. Yeah. If you're considering coming to Sweet River Con, make sure you are tuning in to the next few podcasts because we might have a cool announcement about it. Thanks. Yes. Um, so now it's time for Betty. Here is my summary. Alice is trying to sell the house. Betty is fully sabotaging her. She notices that Kevin is very in with the farm now. The rest of the core four offer to let Betty stay with them, but she declines. She pretends to want to chat with Kevin casually, but he sees right through her. She's worried about him. He says he's fine. As Betty's leaving school that day, she sees a farm meeting taking place in which everybody, including Kevin, is holding their hands above fire. Cool. Betty talks to Josie and finds out that Kevin's been sneaking out at night. She follows Kevin into the forest where he does the thing where you walk over hot coals or whatever, and she writes an expose about how crazy the farm is, but Kevin and Evelyn, Kevin and Evelyn, Kevelyn? No. Anyway, stop her by blackmailing her. They know all about how they killed Dwayne and all the details. Betty is really upset. She gets home, and Alice announces that an anonymous buyer bought the house. Betty sets the house on fire as an act of revenge, question mark? Yeah, that was a journey. 
Yeah. The first thing that I thought about for this storyline was Alice saying, shouldn't you be at school? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, shouldn't you? (laughs) No one obeys. Fun that they were actually quite a lot at school this time, though. True. Nobody obeys any sort of rules about anything. Um, Mm. But it probably was, like, very early, and maybe Betty was on her way to school when she came down the stairs. And Alice was just like, shouldn't you leave instead of sabotaging me? Yeah. My first note in this paragraph is how much I love the very first moment and introduction of Mm -hmm. all of this. (gasps) Yeah. Because not only does she say, hi, I'm Alice Smith, which delighted me, but she's also wearing one of my favorite outfits of hers from season one. (gasps) Oh, wow. And I was just like, oh, come back to me. I miss you so much. (laughs) Like, that that energy is the Alice that I want back, please. I know she's, yeah. like, also kind of bananas in this scene because she's trying to sell her house. But also I get try, trying to sell your house if uh, only bad things have happened there to you, especially in recent memory. But, yeah, I just miss her a lot. But, yeah, it's the outfit she... Season 2 Alice is, like, peak Alice, and I want her back. Yeah, oh, my God. Al- season 2 Alice was the best Alice, for sure. Um, And, of course, we've mentioned that she was using Smith so that people don't know about Hal. Yeah, she's... you. Yeah, because Betty brought it up to search Alice Cooper instead of Smith, which... Yeah, another thing is last, uh, last episode they used Google. They didn't change Google to anything, and she's using Google again, and we think that's probably because they used Google back in season one or something, so they're not... So they can't change it. Right, oh, my God. Yeah, for sure. And also, oh no, brain, come back, come back. Go back. Oh, I also have questions about whether Alice is fully deciding to just use Smith now on her own, like a reclaiming of herself, in addition to the not wanting people to search Cooper, but just because she wants to go by Smith, because... Didn't they call her Alice Smith when they were baptizing her too? Yes, yes, they did, yeah. Okay, so I think it's like a little bit of both, like her personal choice and uh, wanting to hide her house's icky past. Well, and I think her like divorce has officially like gone through with Hal too, so oh, do we? it's like I am not a Cooper anymore. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's great. I love that for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought Betty in this scene where she's sabotaging is so delightful, and I think Lily is great. Thanks. Yeah, the way that Machen and Lily play off each other in this scene is really, really funny, and Mm -hmm. some excellent comedy work. Totally. We don't get- it doesn't feel like we get a whole lot of comedy in this show, and this was great, and I appreciated it. Their their back and forth was just perfectly done. Yeah. Um, Kevin calls Betty a detractor. Do you think that's like the far what the farm said? Probably. The farm uses that word. Yeah. Probably yes, because that was that's also a weird word to yeah. just use in general. Detractor. But, but I let's guess, look it up. Yeah. I I need to know. Mm. Like I feel like I know how to use it in general, but also it's just a weird choice. Uh, detractor noun: a person who disparages someone or something. She sure does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought she would be, like, more detracting from, but I guess that's distracting. I don't know. Anyway, uh, she's, like, getting people away from their, the farm's main mission and making them look bad. Yeah. Crazy how Josie and Kevin are step-siblings now. Wild. But also I support it. It's adorable. It is. And and I love that moment where she's like, I think Kevin's going crazy. And she's like, Kevin, you know, you're like, ah, you guys are already in the step-sibling party. Oh yeah, fully. I love that. She's like, not my Um, brother. When they're at like the firewalk, (laughs) 
type of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, Evelyn calls Kevin brother Kevin, and I went back and checked, and they don't call her sister Alice. They fully just keep calling her Alice Smith by her full name. Interesting. So it's weird to me that they're using brother Kevin. We've never really heard them say things like brother or sister. Hmm. Have they ever called Polly, like, sister Polly? I don't know. Um... I feel like my brain is telling me yes, but I feel like if they had, we would have been like, what is she, a nun? Maybe that plays into, though, uh, your theory about them grooming Alice for something more specific than right. just any regular person who joins the farm. Right. Um, and after he does it, she keeps saying, we are one. Ugh. Like, we are... It's gross. It's weird and gross. Um, but I think that Zoe, who plays Evelyn, um, is doing great. And oh, I yeah. I thought she was great on Orphan Black, and I think that she's great here. Um, she's very creepy, and I appreciate that about her. Yeah, she's doing a great job of making me dislike this very dislikable character. <laughs> yeah. So, Sam, who is the anonymous buyer? Of the house? Yeah. Um, I like your theory that it's Al- uh, that it's Gladys. Um, I think that mm-hmm. would make things... That's That was, that was Britney's, to be clear. Oh. I'm not going to take credit for that. That was Britney's. I love Britney's theory that it's Gladys because that would make things super sticky and interesting and awkward and weird. The parallel of everything getting burnt. I think it would have, there's, FP doesn't have money to buy it himself, but I thought that would have been an interesting twist if he had the money, but he fully doesn't. So it could be him. I don't see any reason that Hiram or Hermione would have an interest in it unless, unless they were going to set up Hermione wanting like some kind of like safe house or escape or whatever from Hiram but I don't know I feel like the most logical option is uh Gladys still or Penelope wants to expand Mm. her oh god (laughs) and that would be like a I thought particularly just because she already has it in for Alice anyway because she can't stand her right so it would be a particular extra stab in the back to take Alice's home from her. I, yeah, I don't think that it was Hermione, but you talking about Hermione kind of made me think of something. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to keep bringing up Fred because I don't want to make people sad. Right. <laughs> I'm really sorry because I'm sad too. But I wonder if Hermione stays with Hiram because she knows that she always has Fred, you know, to like fall back on. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if she does get get a uh, breakup with Hiram, that she'll always be able to go back to Fred. And I know that that's a kind of a toxic way of thinking, but I think a lot of people do actually feel that way in, in relationships. Right. Um, and they just kind of keep other people on hold. Right. I wonder if Fred's death, if he, if they do choose to have him die rather than recast him, if that might be... I would love for that to be a wake-up call for Hermione, too. Not, not even just for Archie. I would love for that to be a wake-up call for Hermione because, uh, once again, uh, who is she? Yeah, the inconsistencies in Hermione's character really bother me. Um, And I would like to see them stick to the storyline of her staying in this marriage only for Veronica because she is aware that she is being abused. And they haven't, they sort of like went back and to the season two stuff and sort of made her villainous again a few episodes ago. So I would like to see them stop doing that. Um, and I would love for that to be, like, a pivotal moment for Hermione to be, like, to see that she needs to focus on the good or it'll be snatched away from her or something. Right. If there's any silver lining to this terrible thing that has happened. Right. Okay. Anyway, moving on from that again. We don't have to be sad forever. (laughs) Betty with the candle. She has the candle and she's trying to do the thing that everybody else is doing. What is that her being like, could I do the thing? Like, is she going to join the farm now? 
Right, like, I feel like, so Betty has exhibited small signs of self-harm in the way she used to dig her nails into her palms. And I wondered if at first this was her, because she got backed into a corner with the farm and everyone knowing their secrets, if this was just another evolution of her own self-harm and that she was doing it because of what she saw previously and then it was just a nice way for them to visually tie it all together i thought it was so weird when (laughs) when like like if i was alice walking in and i'd be like cool so you're staring at yourself in your vanity and you have a you're just staring at a candle right in front of you you're weird like i frequently light candles in my own room but that's um because they're scented and not just a single standing wick candle uh, and do you sorry, do you sit there and just stare at it? No, I do not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you think that Betty burns the house as I, I thought of it maybe as a revenge? You know, she's so angry after Kevin and uh, Evelyn uh, blackmail her that I wonder if she's so angry that she's like, wow, my mom is happy about something and she has ruined all of this for us. I'm just wondering if that was why she burned the house. I was I, I was having a hard time figuring out why because it's like it's an anonymous buyer, so who knows and I don't know, it's your it's your childhood home. Like first of all, I think that Betty's choice here is spur of the moment and extremely reckless. Um right. So I think a lot part of it is based in revenge and feeling helpless at and sort of like acting out against her mom uh who has sort of taken multiple steps against her because of what the farm is making her do. So I feel like it's definitely in part revenge towards that and like lashing out and being like, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to sabotage you. Uh, yeah. But I also think that I could, I can totally understand her burning down her childhood home, especially if she is as traumatized by the stuff that Hal did. Right. There, because knowing your father is a serial killer would really just sort of, and a cheater, would just taint all of your memories from your childhood with that person. Right. So it would sort of be like a cleansing experience to get rid of it, I think. I also had the thought that because Evelyn and Kevin and everyone in the farm knows about the shady man and the man that they killed, I thought maybe she had a reckless thought to burn the house down because that would get rid of any evidence that could be found at the house. Like, I know they scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed uh, at the time, but, like, fire would really be the only way to, like, guarantee no evidence is in the house. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Um, so, like, now does she have the ability to, like, speak out against the farm because they don't have any proof? I don't know. Right. Yeah, I wonder. When I was watching the very beginning of the episode for the first time, I thought, okay, well, great. If they sell the house, then maybe Alice will be able to give Betty back the money she stole from her. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, and so when she, like, literally commits arson, I was like, won't this cost you more money? Like, maybe you'll get money from insurance, which is, like, great, but also it was literally arson, and this is a genuine criminal offense. Yeah, it's like... I thought it was really reckless and a little bit stupid on her part because, like, she knows her mom has a buyer for the house. So, like, you're going to be getting money, so you're sabotaging that. Like, 
it was a, it was a very reckless decision on Betty's part. And I don't think she fully thought it through. Yeah, especially when she shows up later and she's like, I feel so much better. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, did you take all your stuff out? Did you, like, like, did you pack? Did you take your stuff out? Yeah, because your mom told you to pack and you fully didn't. So, yeah. Unless she packed and then came down with her candle. I wonder if the candle is down any. I wonder if we'd be able to tell. We'd be able to tell how much time has passed by how big the candle is. Yeah. One moment. I need to find out now. <laughs> And it's just like, I don't know, it's a very, I get that maybe they're playing this like Betty has more demons in that house than we expect. And she feels like this gave her some sort of power back over both the horrors of what happened in season two with Hal and the way that Alice has been treating her in season three. So I get that it's sort of like a reclaiming of power and like a a release of the connections that she feels there and like the uh all the negativity weighing around that but also it was reckless and it's gonna come back to bite her i think in a in a not great way Mm -hmm. so either that's a new candle or she just walked downstairs and (laughs) set things on fire because it's like at the exact same place yeah dude what about all your stuff I'm so sentimental, first of all, about places, but also about things. I have so many things and I need all of my things. I cannot imagine burning a house on purpose with all of your things in it. Like, I literally cannot. Yeah, like, like, Betty, did you walk out of the house knowing that was your only outfit? Because that sweater is not even that cute. Remember uh, at the beginning of the season when Alice was trying to encourage her to burn her journals? Yeah. Like, where are your journals, Betty? Mm. Uh, do you care about them? Because, like, my first thing that I would probably grab... Well, well, it's it's not as big of a deal now to me personally because I live on my own. And I have mm-hmm. all of my important pictures are on my phone. So... Right. But, like, if I was in my childhood home and my childhood home was on fire, I would grab photo albums. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something you can never get back. So, like, did Betty pack her journals? Um... But, like, also I feel like Alice gets there quickly enough that the house isn't going to be destroyed. I think, did I say this earlier? I can't remember. I don't remember either. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like Alice gets there quickly enough that the house isn't going to be destroyed, just, like, severely damaged. Right, and it's clear that she, like, just set those curtains on fire because it was, like, just that one spot. But also there's no freaking way that Alice didn't notice while she was walking in. Right. She's like, and I'm like, um, it took over your entire wall. Yeah, like, she coughs as she opens the door, but I'm like, it's the front windows. Like, how did you, what? All right. Yeah. Um, that's when you can tell it's a set. And it's like, if it doesn't make that much, if it doesn't make that much, uh, damage, then that means that she put it out herself. But I don't know a lot of people who have. Well, I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know if, like, I feel like Alice gets there quickly enough that she can call 911. Right. And that they can manage it. I, I don't yeah. know. This is just from me assuming that based on the fact that Gina was posting selfies at the front door of the Cooper house. So Right, right. I just realized that Firewalk is, like, about Kevin, obviously. Uh-huh. Because um, he does like the Firewalk. But also there is, uh, th- this is also fire. And then she walked away. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would have loved Uh, for there to be some sort of, some more allusions to Machen's character in Twin Peaks, 
with right. the title of this episode and the fact that right. Mission was in both shows. Because uh, I, like I said, I haven't really fully watched season two or the movie itself. So I, there may have been some I completely missed, but I also didn't notice any at all, which was a little disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do segments now? Yeah. Cool. Uh, so my first segment is asexual jughead, question mark, question mark, question mark, and the answer is yes, always yes. I don't care. Yes. Quality. Hey, Sam, can you, can you say, uh, which MILF was the most badass in this episode? I would love to say which MILF was the most badass in this episode. Sure. Who do you think? Gladys and Alice were the really the only ones in this episode, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Alice. Just because I feel like Gladys was sloppy this episode. Uh, I didn't comment on this when we were talking about her storyline, really, but I noticed she was drinking a lot. A lot. Every time she was on screen. Yeah. And so I am uh, beginning to question her competency as a uh, kingpin uh, because she was very drunk multiple times. Yeah. How can we, how can we uh, um, connect this with FP's alcoholism? And because like, well, FP is sober now again question mark um but we saw him relapse a little yeah the when he had to reclaim serpent king in 208 or whatever but right since then we haven't really seen him drink i don't think and she's Uh, not that i can remember specifically and like we haven't seen her be sloppy around fp or the kids yet but anytime she was with veronica this episode it was she was very drunk so i'm gonna give it to alice just because I liked seeing her in her, like, mm-hmm. businessy boss attire at the beginning and, like, sort of being in control of what she's doing, even if I didn't agree with it completely still. Um, did the snake parents acknowledge their obvious history? Once again, they were both Yay. present but did not interact. We're starving. Give us more. Give us more. From what I've heard about the extended trailer, I've heard good things. I'm so excited to watch it with you in just a minute. <laughs> okay, uh, now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Betty for Murder House on Elm Street. That's his house. <laughs> She's so delightful, so delightful. Love that they live on Elm Street. Yeah. Like, did we know that before? Uh, yes, I think we did, yeah. Oh, okay, cute. Mm-hmm. And my favorite line award goes to Sweet Pete for Sweet. Do we get to carry guns? Absolutely no. not. No, no, absolutely not. No. <laughs> Great. Uh, so now it's time for a trailer reaction. Oh, boy. oh my god. The freaking description says 50th birthday party. He's not that old. That's so embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. The literal description of the, like, of the thing says it's it says it's his 50th birthday party. Like, and it has to be, they chose it 50 because it's the 50th episode. Like, that's why they chose it, but, like, that math makes no sense. That's so embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. It's just so incorrect. Like, you can't... Ugh, this just, the, ugh, uh, <laughs> the continuity is so bad. Like, how does he... I think he's, like, 49 or something. Let me check. Oh, one sec. Alexa, how old is yeah. Pete Ulrich? Is it Ulrich? Ulrich is 49 years old. He's 49. He, yeah, he, like, just turned 49 uh, two months ago, it says. So, okay. But that's not how old the adults are. That makes no sense, Sam. So that means that everybody who was in his grade had their kids at, like, 34, 35. That's, a, that's around, like, like I was born when my mom was 30, I think. That's, like, and, and a lot of people have their kids, like, in their 20s, too. Yeah, especially from that generation. Like, now people are, because 
millennials don't have the financial stability and like the same economy that our parents grew up in, millennials are starting to have kids a, a little later, uh, like in their yeah. late 20s, early 30s. But when my parents were 21 and 22, I think, wow. when they had me, like, or 20, 20 and 23 or something, I don't know. But they were very early 20s. Yeah. And yeah. And I'm 26. So. And, and even, like, it makes sense because Alice had Polly, right? So it's like, okay, well, she wasn't super I'm not I'm not trying to say late to the game like obviously no shame as to anybody who whatever age you have you know I'm not out here shaming people for what age they had their kids I'm just saying that at that time it was more common to have your kids earlier especially if people like Alice and Hal were high school sweethearts you know it seems like a lot of these people met in high school and so it's like why did you wait so long you know it's like and and even FP and Gladys Jellybean is even younger than than Jughead, yeah. so it ha- they they must have waited even longer for that. It's like when if they're all supposed to have their kids at the exact same time, then it's like why did everybody wait so long? Like that's just not realistic. Does that make sense? Like if Jughead is no fully, it makes sense. It's it's not realistic at all that they would wait this long, and it just it just doesn't make any sense that no. <laughs> It's bad math. Like, I get what you're trying to play on with the episode number and being cute like that, but because it's a big round number, but it's just bad. What we could say is we could be like, oh, well, that's okay because, like, we've had no canonical evidence really, like, that that's that's what's going on, but we actually have. And here's what I will tell you. Yeah. Is that we have gotten exact canonical evidence that Alice was pregnant in high school 16 or 17, right? And yeah. specifically... Because she was pregnant junior year. Yes. And specifically, when Chick was like about to come in, they were like, oh my god, you have a brother? How old would he be? And they literally said mid-20s. They said mid-20s, Sam. Yeah. They said it. So, so if he's mid-20s, add 25 years to 16 is not 50. <laughs> Math is hard. <laughs> Okay, whatever. I want to see this trailer, so let's do it. (laughs) All right. Okay, are you ready? Three, two, one, play. There's something I need to tell you about Mrs. Jones. Oh my god. Do you love her, FP? (gasps) I never was one for small town gossip. How could you have done something so reckless? (laughs) I'm here for the Red Paladin. Oh my god, this is so stupid. How many of these guys am I fighting? so continues our nerdiest <laughs> mystery yet. Cosplay. Honestly, I'm obsessed. I'm so excited. Um, okay, great. So, okay, going through it then. Yeah, I am um, super excited for this episode. It finally looks like it's uh, the show that I enjoy again. Yeah, um, okay, so Veronica's gonna tell Betty about Gladys. And it looks like Gladys and FP are, like, having a nice, fun little family moment. And I'm like, cool, didn't ask for it, but whatever. Right. That um, may be where she, like talks to him about his birthday or something. Right. I can't tell if it... Because, like, behind him, it looks <sighs> early in the day, so it's like, maybe they're yeah. having breakfast or something. I don't know. And and Alice says, Hello, FP, I'm here in your office. Do you love her? <sighs> and I'm like, I would... Uh, first of all, I welcome this scene because this is my ship. Right. Oh, my God. But what the heck kind of build-up was this to this? I know. We've had no build-up at like, all. If they had not cut that scene uh, from the episode where Betty is at the sisters that we were 
sort of hinted at about, I feel like it would feel less jarring, but they cut that scene right. and they haven't had any other... Will you um talk about that scene uh, for anybody who ha- uh, oh, didn't see it? For anybody who didn't see the sort of hints we were given, Machen was, at, and she's talked about it in interviews since then, uh, since realizing it was cut. Uh, but in the scene, in the episode where Betty is at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, there is supposed to be a scene where Alice is wearing nothing but FB serpent jacket, and they're supposed to actually kiss. And they're oh my god, I can't believe I oh, I forgot they still have a yeah. kiss. Oh, they're supposed oh, to actually what the heck? kiss, and uh, then FP is supposed to get a phone call from Gladys about Jughead being in Toledo. Oh, and. That, that, I feel, is... That scene was so needed. Yeah, it's absolutely crucial to this, like, the build-up to where we're going in the next episode. Yeah. So, it baffles me that they cut it, and it also saddens me for Majin because she was really excited for people to see it before the episode, and then, even since then, when people have asked her, like, hey, what's your favorite scene so far this season? She has mentioned that scene and being sad that people haven't gotten to see it. So we better get it on the DVD. We better. Riverdale is pretty good about giving people a lot of deleted scene content because from season two, Mm -hmm. there were 10 full minutes of deleted Alice content and deleted uh, Shoney content. So I'm very hopeful that they'll put it on the deleted scenes but if they don't oh boy i'm gonna be so mad i want the gifts real yeah. bad and like also they could just also kiss in the future i'm just putting it out there yeah uh, uh listen i have been complaining about this but as soon as this airs i'm gonna be like cool i forgive you uh yeah everything's forgiven thanks <laughs> i know i'm like i'm so easy to please i'm like Ugh, i'm starving and then we get this one tidy <laughs> line and i'm like oh a feast Oh, look at all that jewelry. <laughs> and it's like also, I'm just really thrilled about the angst here and the like implied conversation that's gonna happen. Mm. Oh, you know I love angst. I'm a hoe for angst. That's why I love love exactly. triangles. Love triangles are my jam. Like this is the drama that I have been hoping for since they said, oh, Gladys Jones is coming to Riverdale. Yeah. Do you love her? And, like, her sad little face. Oh, okay. Continuing on with the trailer. And, oh, my God, he doesn't even answer in the trailer. He's like, ooh, whoops, don't want to talk about it. I'm like, oh. Do you think he's going to give her, do you think he's going to reject Alice and it's going to be, like, a point where they have to, like, be apart and then later in the season we'll get to see them come back together? Or is he going to, like, fess up? Or is he going to give a non-answer and she's going to walk away? Because he keeps giving... Like, he keeps just letting her walk away through all throughout their life. Okay. Yeah. There's so many different ways it could go. And <laughs> this isn't even, like, a theory where you can be like, anyway, so four episodes from now, <laughs> this is what I think is going to happen. And then everyone will forget. Like, this is, like, this is next episode and everyone's going to remember what I said. Right. <laughs> um, so here's what I hope happens. Okay. This is what I, not necessarily what I hope, sorry, what I want to happen in my shipper soul. Okay? okay. What I want to happen is for her to be like, do you love her? And for him to be like, I used to love her. Of course I did. And of course I'll always have a piece of me that loves her. You know, like that, that like tropey, you know, cliche type of thing. You know, she's the mother of two of my children. Right. Like she's the mother of my children. Yeah. And of course Alice is like, I'm the mother of one oh, of whatever. And he'll yes. be like, he's like, oh, but but, you know, and of course I used to love her, and of course a piece of me loves her, but that is over now, and um, and now, you know, I'm here with you. But 
Alice has gone cuckoo freaking for Cocoa Puffs, and I... <laughs> I don't know if I if I want that because that's not Alice. Right. So that's not the Alice I shipped her with. Like that's not not the Alice I shipped him with. Yeah. No, no I agree. I want it See, I would die for a moment where we get that conversation where she he says something about Gladys being the mother of his children and yes. Alice yes. saying so yes. a, so am yes. I. Uh yes. that would Yes. That's, if they Bring don't capitalize back. on that, like, come on. Yes! <laughs> like, please capitalize on this very rich story ground that you've laid. Yeah. Um, but I kind of think, in my in my wildest dreams, he, like, dissuades her fears and, like, kisses her and tells her that he loves her. But yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I think something, I think he's either going to give a non-answer and Alice is going to walk away. Or he's going to say mm-hmm. something, like, that she doesn't want to hear and it's going to drive them apart or something. Yeah. Uh, because if if they lay that conflict in appropriately, it can create a cool kind of way for them to, like, have to heroically come back together at the end or dramatically come back together yeah. at the end of the season or, like, even later in this, like, just later in the season itself and mm. have them, like, actually realize that they need each other and that they always come back to each other and like actually finally admit their feelings right which they have been avoiding since they were 16 if they give us conflict here they only have seven episodes to fix it before the end of the season right and i feel like and i want them to i feel like if they don't keep cutting content like if they Mm -hmm. stop cutting their content i feel like they could make this the relationships here in this three-way dynamic very interesting and complicated and Mm -hmm. i would like to Mm -hmm. see that (laughs) yeah okay let's continue with the trailer here yeah um some bughead moments where where are they are they in front of the cooper house is that the cooper house i don't know uh nana rose is back cheryl's coming into the speakeasy with a dope-ass dress on whose eye is that who is talking to nana rose is it cheryl oh it's tony it's tony's eye that it is yeah. Um, Gladys with Jughead in the background. Cheryl being cute. Veronica at the speakeasy. Casino nights. Reggie's upset. Some Shoney. Some a, a lot of Shoney stuff. I'm like, okay, but don't be just doing this. I'm I after they've had them fight. Like I really need I need a good makeup before I get a good makeout. I completely agree. I need them eh? to fix okay, their good. like. <laughs> conflicting relationships before they just give them a lot of juicy sex yeah. stuff. Like, personally, I enjoy this because I like uh, equal opportunity. Like, it, I know we have problems with Riverdale showing so much sex for mm-hmm. people that are in the canon underage, even though the actors are yes. well over age. But mm-hmm. if they're going to have Veronica and Archie and Jughead and Betty having all of this uh, sexual content, I appreciate that they are also allowing Cheryl and Veronica, I mean, Cheryl and, no, um, Cheryl and Tony, <laughs> the same yeah. level of sexuality to be shown on screen. Do you think, and maybe I just don't remember, but do they show, like, Varchi and, like, Archie do having sex scenes in the trailer all the time? Because it feels like every time that Shoni has sexual content, it's always in the trailer. Um, I feel like they've done it a few times, but it's certainly not every time with them. Right. Yeah. I do feel that there is a bit of like the way that they use Cheryl and Tony scenes in promotional material, I feel is a bit to hook their 
queer audience a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep, 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 yep. So that is questionable as far as like morals of TV marketing. But I do, like I said, I do appreciate the amount of screen time and the content uh, being sort of equal for them in a same-sex relationship Mm -hmm. as the young heteros. (sighs) Yeah, young heteros. All right, um, continuing on, just uh, some Shoney content. Um, Archie is boxing. Betty and Jughead are also there. Is this how they're going to make his G&G thing come to a head? Is that everybody is in cosplay trying to kill the Red Paladin? I, yes. Is that, because it looks like that guy who is here is also holding the card that says kill the Red Paladin. Yeah. Like, does everyone have this this same card? It seems like there's a lot of copies of this one card. Right. And how does everyone know that Archie is the Red Paladin? And, like, how does everyone on the same quest? Yeah. Like, who, and who has it out so bad for Archie that they're making, is, see, this goes back to me thinking Hiram is the Gargoyle King. Mm-hmm. Because... Hiram is the one with a personal vendetta against Archie Andrews for no real reason. After that shot of that first guy, then we go to a shot of Archie actually fighting someone, and it's very clearly a different guy. Um, right. Yeah, and then another guy still. Archie's bleeding. Another. Wait, that looks like two different. Is that also Archie? I thought it was two different two guys too, because I and I had to go back like frame by frame. But I'm pretty sure it's Archie getting punched out by some guy in a sweater. It is. Yeah. Now that I'm looking at it, it is. His his hair was dark. Yeah. In the shadows, he's in the shadow. So it was a little confusing. But okay. Yeah. It's just a lot of different dudes. <laughs> One of them's dressed as a bull. I mean, just like go off, you guys. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want to beat up Archie, then go for it. Can I just say that the cosplay from the Midnight Club is much better than the <laughs> these wannabes. <laughs> yeah. For a full minute, when I first saw this earlier today before I even watched the episode, I was just like, why are why is Archie fighting superheroes? And then it cuts to the scene <laughs> of Jughead and I was like, oh wait, they're in G and G cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Archie fighting superheroes? I thought that one guy was like dressed like Thor or something. I was like, uh question? I just like if Jug, because Jughead was like, let's make your G and G game come to fruition. So what did Jughead do? Just like was like calling all people who want to kill Archie. Everybody come to the boxing ring dressed as your favorite G and G character. And if Archie can beat you up, then you can't kill him. Like, You're is that, right. Is that the rules? Oh my god. But um, these people who are also sitting here, um, they have like a really elaborate table, which I support and I think is. Very is cool. that? Do you think? Where do you think that is? Huh. Because, like, part of it um, looks sort of the same mm. aesthetic as the bunker, but there's, like, files in the background. Yeah, and it looks like, is that, a, like, is that a window? Yeah, I think there's a window. Like, are they playing at someone's grandma's house? Is that her lazy Susan? <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, maybe it's at the HQ, but, like, why would they would be here? Who are you guys even? I don't think HQ has lace curtains. I feel like this is someone's grandma's house. Okay, I think it's someone's grandma's <laughs> house. Thanks. Okay, continuing on. Whoever these people are. Um, Jughead eating a cracker. Okay. (laughs) Jughead eating a cracker. (laughs) Uh, great. So before we do the outro, I just want to go through a couple of things that I learned reading the prequel. Okay. I know this is going a little bit long, but I want to get this done before next episode. I like literally last night I was like, I need to talk about this in this episode because that's this, it's going to get good after this. Okay. (laughs) 
Okay, so here are some of the prequel thoughts that I had. First of all, I've also been reading the Riverdale comics because I have a problem. Um, <laughs> and some of the things that I picked out of the comics uh, is that Reggie and Josie are fully together in the comics. Oh. Um, Daryl Doily works at the CDC, which is where which is like where the hazmat suits and everything came from. Um, also, Marty Mantle's name is Ricky in the comics. <laughs> Thanks. Marty is a much better name. Okay, so the actual prequel. Betty reads The Bluest Eye, which I thought was cool. I mean, obviously she talks about Toni Morrison in the pilot, but also in uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Roz is like really all about the bluest eye, so I think that's cool. Reggie is offering to manage the Pussycats, which is what he did in the comics. Oh. So it, it, it really felt like in the comics... Like, the comics and this prequel were in kind of the same canon, mm-hmm. but the show was in a different type of canon, because there was a lot of things that was like, okay, what's going on here, you know? Right. Betty has this internship at this, like, website where she writes, um, like, web articles and such, um, as do you guys, so <laughs> there you go. Um, and one of, of her assignments is that she's supposed to interview Veronica for her internship <laughs> because she because Veronica has an internship at Vogue. Oh my god. But she can't get a hold of Veronica. So I don't know. I'm like, why wasn't there a moment in the pilot where she was like, wait, you're Veronica Lodge? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Oh, uh, the one thing that bothered me the most about uh, the book, there were a few times where you get, like, text message conversations or emails between people, um, and it, that was fine when J- Jason was, like, texting people, but at one point, Jason actually speaks to Jughead, and he doesn't say very much, but he does, and that's really upsetting to me, because J- Jason's not supposed to talk. Yeah, agree. Uh, yeah, that bothered me. Dilton is trained by Daryl. He has an obsession with Apocalypse, just like the comics, and also Pop tells this story about, like, the background of pops just like in the comics and i actually luckily had just read the comics before reading the prequel and i checked because i was like this sounds familiar and the girl who wrote this book i don't know if she was allowed to do this but she sure freaking did took it word for word from the comics like i literally went and checked and i was like word for word oh my god that's like that's uh which one was published first like, I'm like, are you allowed to do that? I think the comics were published first. So, cool. Oh, yeah, my notes. <laughs> I just put my notes in as I read, and it just said, the story of Pops, like the comics. Wait, this is literally word for word, WTF. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick tells Veronica that he like-likes her, and she likes him back. Ew. Nick Sinclair. Hmm, gross. Cheryl picks up Jason's jacket for him f- from school the day before he goes missing. Oof. Um, Cheryl calls Archie Archiekins before Veronica, Ew. which is stupid. Um, Archie knew about Kevin and Moose, I noticed. I don't know if any of this can be called canon, but I'm just writing down the things that could <laughs> change things. Um, <laughs> Cheryl's email is Cheryl Bombshell at maplefarm.net. At maplefarm. <laughs> at maplefarm.net. Oh, someone sets up Betty. So she she's at her internship and she like goes to the bathroom or something. And when she comes back, somebody has put like stolen things in her bag. And so she's been set up by one of her coworkers. But she tells Archie in the pilot how great it was and how wonderful of a time she had. Right. So yeah, I don't know. Jughead is working at the Twilight Di- or the Twilight uh, uh, Drive-In, of course, and he says concession guy Ben. So Ben already exists, which is cool. Nick was lying. He told Veronica that he like-liked her just to set her up for, like, a gross thing. Mm-hmm. And yet 
and, and at the end, Veronica realizes that it actually was Nick who was behind it. And yet when Nick shows up in the show, she's like, oh my God, Nick. So I'm like, well, okay, whatever. Andre worked for them in New York, question mark. Uh, Smithers too. I thought he was only in Riverdale. I don't know. He was there. Uh, Veronica regarding Andre says, when I was little, which implies that he's very old, but he isn't. So maybe it's just some other guy named Andre. Mm. Veronica's best friend Katie is mentioned. Veronica mentions Katie in the pilot saying that she used to bully people with Katie. So I thought that was uh, interesting. Dilton built his bunker. Uh, Uh, What? (laughs) Like with his own two hands? Apparently. This is a uh, child. I know. So I don't know. I don't know how much of this you can take as gospel, but still. Lenny the foreman, when Archie is working uh, in Andrew's construction, she, the girl who wrote this, she did her research. Like she had characters from forever ago you know like so i'll give her that she did her research lenny the foreman is the one who like (laughs) early in season one is like sorry fred we're getting paid better by this other person so we have to leave you know (laughs) fred ships barchi oh my gosh tag yourself i'm fred they say that mary and fred were high school sweethearts at hermione what's good oh shoot rip Hermione um I checked and that is never stated in the show I mean who knows I could fully see Fred and Mary becoming high school sweethearts after Veronica decides to fully get with Hiram because she does by the end of the midnight club so he and Mary could have been sweethearts uh through senior year this is the one that messed me up okay (laughs) Ben was already dating Grundy while she was with Archie Oh, no. Ben, concession guy Ben, was already dating Grundy when she was with Archie, apparently in this book. Grundy was not only just, not not only a sex offender, but also an adulterer. A multiple sex offender. Not even an adulterer because they're children. But like, ugh, gross. A double predator. Yeah. Dilton is trying to buy bullets for his gun, which obviously he like sets off in uh in the pilot at on Independence Day, mm-hmm. and Dil- so Dilton's at the store trying to get bullets for his little gun thing, and the guy won't let him because he's not an adult, right. and it says he has a signed note from his dad, Daryl. <laughs> so is Daryl alive or is he lying? We I d- I don't know the answer. Archie already liked Val when uh when they like started dating. In the in the book, he like talks about how like cool Val is. So that's that's a that's a nice touch. That's cute. Betty says that peonies are her favorite flower, but her mom is allergic. <laughs> so maybe um she doesn't say that in the in the book, but I know that her mom is allergic because it's been mentioned on the show. Yeah. Maybe she likes them because her mom's allergic because she doesn't like her mom right now. Oh my goodness, Betty, pick a different flower. Jughead called Jellybean on the night of the third. Just to, like, chat, Hmm. I guess. They don't have Visa cards. They're called Vista. And MasterCard are called MasterClass. Hmm. Also, Veronica says karma- Or someone says to Veronica, karma's a bitch. Which comes up in the show because that made that, like, giant meme. Yeah. Oh, well. You know? 
Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I finished the book last night, and um, now you don't have to read it. You are so welcome. <laughs> it was boring. Thank you so much for your service, Robin. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, if you are so inclined, please write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's in the description and it's just perpetually open. Some things that you like about the podcast, some things that we could work on. We'd love to hear from you. If you're a fan of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, they also have a show about that. <laughs> uh, it's on this same feed, so you can check that out right here. Yeah. And if you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We talked about season four, season five. We'll be talking about season six. And very soon we will be having a Unity Days uh, wrap-up podcast coming out. Yes, big fan. Uh, if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. Robin in particular loves to talk about that show. Uh, you can... It's my favorite. <laughs> um, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, we're in the middle of season one uh, and it should be uh, done be right before season three starts. Um, so get hyped about season three by listening to our season one podcasts. Thanks to Sam for guesting on two of those. Thank you so much for having me. It was delightful. <laughs> Be sure to check out the Riverdale convention in November called Sweet RiverCon. Uh, tickets are live now at unityeventscanada.com. Uh, you can check that out. It is put on by the same people that ran Unity Days for the past three years. If you're a 100 fan uh, and you've heard of it, it's awesome. Uh, so it's Soy River Con is sure to be just as great. So check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, um, if you're interested in coming to Sweet River Con, maybe you should check out next week's podcast in particular. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can follow at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. And I do work really hard on our Tumblr. Thank you. Speaking of being a fan of the aficionados, you should check out their Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash the Uh, if you have a spare dollar to donate a month, you can, uh, share it with them. If you have more and you, you are feeling particularly generous, they would greatly appreciate it. It is very expensive running five podcasts. Um, if you are a Patreon uh, of the aficionados like I am, you get early access to their episodes uh, as much as at least always a day before, uh, sometimes even more, especially for the Stranger Things pod, uh, because they have those spaced out a little bit more than these weekly episodes. So you should definitely check that out, especially if you uh, want a little, little more leeway with your listening. Yeah, and if you can't afford it, it's all good. Um, the next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. Thanks. <laughs> you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Sam KCC on Twitter. That's S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-C. -E uh, and you can find my articles on telltelltv.com slash author slash Samantha dash Coley. Uh, that is an, an actual dash, not you don't have to type dash. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for helping out today. We really appreciate it. I know Brittany's not here, but she appreciates it too. Yeah, no problem. I, busy lady. I love being an honorary fictionado, and I'm happy to talk with you guys anytime. <laughs> uh, our next episode is episode 315. It's called American Dreams. For the longest time, it was just called 50. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> um, and then I checked today. Luckily, I checked because now it's called American Dreams. Um, so American Dreams is an American television drama program broadcast on NBC from 2002 to 2005. It tells the story of the Pryor family of Philadelphia during the mid-1960s with many plot lines centered around the teenager Meg Pryor, who dances on Dick Clark's American Bandstand. The show often featured contemporary musicians performing as popular musicians of the 1960s. 
so that's super interesting and i also think that it's probably named after just the american dream the concept of the mm -hmm. american dream if you don't know what that is you can google it or read <laughs> the great gatsby yeah I agree, okay. um, but I also think it would be cool. I remember being aware of this show for some reason, even though I never watched it, so I think it'll be cool to see, especially if, like, the 60s aesthetic or anything like that plays into uh, this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye!